Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Mic check, mic check. This has been such Check. a hectic, crazy day. There's been so much news. So happening. much content. I know you've yeah. been blogging. A like runaway. A there's a runaway blimp. There is. We found a NASA. We found a famous piece of space history. Good job, Jason. Thank you. Is there a citizens' reward from NASA for that? Yeah, NASA. Well, this we guy get? says that NASA knew about it, and he's like super pissed. He's pissed. Or, no, he's not pissed. He said NASA's, NASA's lying. He's saying that NASA's lying. And NASA told him he could have it. No, NASA said that NASA's lying in the report and saying it was scrapped, but they oh. know that it's alive, but they don't want to pay for it. So they're like, Isn't we're just going to close this. Right. They offered him like some memorabilia or something. Yeah, they, they like, he <laughs> said they offered me a lifetime membership to like the <laughs> visitor center at like... <laughs> <laughs> Retail value, yeah. like $32. Yeah, exactly. Like, free. <laughs> like, yeah. sign up for a library card and you get it. Yeah, well, that's it is a wild story. And what a nice follow-up to get the guy's interest. In the power of crowdsourcing. Yeah, the, the yeah. power of publishing a good article that got attention. Thanks. I was actually, it was kind of all over the place now that I uh, look for it. Like, the Houston Chronicle picked it up. Like, a bunch of, lo- it was on a local TV. Before you published? No, no, That's no. That's so fun. No, after we published, yeah. Well, I mean, you would do it whenever. It was on, yours was on MSN and then Gadget and on a lot of places, too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For the listeners who haven't read the story. Oh, wait, is this live? <laughs> yeah, this is live. Why, why I, do you I think I'm talking into the you. mic? Yeah. I don't know. I, you think I, it's because I, I like standing you do on my the toes? That you do, Adrian. <laughs> you, you guys know that the podcast has started, but the people on the podcast don't know. It's like a top <laughs> secret sort of thing I just did. Wow. Yeah. So, anyway, the story was about Jason got some documents under a Freedom of Information Act request, and NASA tries to keep track of rovers and things and spacecraft and sometimes these things slip out of nasa's hands or get gifted to people at retirement parties and this one what was the story with this particular one so that's still a mystery um we don't know how the original person got uh basically it's a prototype lunar rover so Um, it's never been to the moon it's never been to the moon but it was like the very first prototype but william von braun like rode around in it right yeah the infamous rocket scientist yeah Yeah. he like there's a one photo of this thing actually there's we have to buy it we have to buy it yeah there's like 
two photos of this thing and in one William Von Braun is just like riding on like a track <laughs> and like it looks like a glorified golf cart yeah, more or less. It looks like Donald Trump. Yeah. On a, on a golf cart. It looks like a like a erector set thingy. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, it's pretty primitive looking. But uh anyways, someone ended up with this somehow. And then they sold it. And then it. they sold it and it sat in someone's backyard for like forty years or something. And then this person went to a junkyard to sell it as scrap metal. And the junkyard guy was like, yes, I'll purchase this. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so he bought it for like what was presumably a low amount of money. Just for the wrong uh, Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't, he wouldn't tell me how much he paid. He said that he didn't want to uh, disclose that because he's going to auction it off, which... We call this guy a hero for saving it, but, uh, you know, he's probably going to make a lot of money. He's an opportunist. Yeah. Yeah. But in any case, he basically then put it into storage, and NASA came looking for it. He's like, yeah, I got it, uh, but I'm not giving it back to you because I bought it, and it's mine now. And it's, like, not tagged by NASA or anything. I think um, you should go down there and meet this guy and maybe do, like, an actual radio piece, maybe a video piece. And Like, I mean, it's a crazy story about how we lose these sort of once cherished objects and they kind of like slip through the cracks and then like these little tiny conflicts that surface once we realize what we've lost. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. Let's talk about that in the Can editorial meeting, yeah. maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, but that, that other one is down there too. I could do a road trip, a NASA yeah. artifacts road okay. trip. Okay. Podcast listeners, if this podcast gets 10,000 listens, we'll send Jason to Texas. I'm embedding this in every single story. No, it's Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. We'll send Uh, Jason to Alabama to research the story. Yes. Okay, so the topic this week is not lunar rovers, although I do want to make a podcast about this whole saga, and I may, because I have a lot of crazy documents. But anyways, the topic of this podcast is Mr. Robot, um, the acclaimed... USA uh, hacker drama starring some actors and they do some stuff. Lamy Malik and Christian Slater. Yes, those people. What's the what's the protagonist's <laughs> name again? I forgot. Elliot Alderson. Yes, Elliot. Okay, so I am more informed on this topic than I seem right now. But <laughs> you know really? more than I do. Yes. <laughs> but, Brian and I are in here uh trusting that this show won't be spoiled for us because neither of us has finished the first 10 episodes yeah yes but lorenzo and i have finished it lorenzo is here he's just standing there with his arms behind his back (laughs) hello uh we have finished it so we're going to talk all about spoilers and things but later we're going to start off with sort of like a spoiler free discussion for adrian and brian um i very much liked mr robot uh I came away with it wondering, like, how did this show ever get made? Because it's so crazy. It's, like, very, just the imagery in it, it's, like, very Requiem for a Dream type imagery. And, you know, it's been compared to Fight Club. And it's about hacking. And, I mean, it's a very compelling show. But I'm like, why did the, why did the network sign off on this? Like, who would, tr- why did they trust this person to, okay. like, pull this off? First of all, it's on USA. It's, like, the best show on USA ever. It is, yes. So I'm kind of thinking, like, USA was like, what's our, what's our like, cool new show to c- go along with all these other cool shows that are on every single network now because we're in the golden era of TV? And, and I feel like... Monk reruns. Yeah, and we're still showing Monk reruns. Characters welcome. 
And <laughs> I think I the show is so anonymous influenced that I feel like maybe someone started writing it. I could probably find this out. But it seems like maybe someone started writing it when the anonymous stuff was really big and people were really afraid of anonymous and they were posting their things on YouTube with the Guy Fox mask and that, that imagery was everywhere. Yeah, it kind of seemed like it's an opportune time. I, can, I mean, I can see why it would why some a producer or an executive would think that this would be popular, right? Because it's not only sort of tapping into that like sort of hacktivist undercurrent that is ostensibly really popular right now, given the number of headlines that Anonymous and its ilk can draw, but also because of like the economic message. It's very like explicitly sort of aligned itself, at least so far where I am in the show, with sort of uh, you know the issues of anti-corporatism and sort of wealth redistribution and you know people taking on the status quo. So it's positioning itself as like a very subversive show. And one that at least is sort of like tapping into those big hot button issues that are kind of driving a lot of elements of the national conversation right now. So at least, you know, like I could see some network exec just like reading the bullet points going like income inequality, Occupy Wall Street, anonymous, like cool hackers. Yes, yes, yes. Like green light. Like, let's see where it goes. And I don't know what happens in the end. So Uh, but anyways, that's just kind of. Like, my first impression is that it's it's cool, and I think it's great, but I think also can kind of see why it, they expect it to be popular. Yeah, I can see that as well, but you kind of, like, look at a movie like Black Hat, which was not very good, but it's focusing on, like, this cyber 9-11, like, cyber Pearl Harbor that, you know, lawmakers have been warning about a lot. It's kind of uh, good timing that we do this, because CISA just got passed, so... Um, you know, the influence of these hacks are, is being seen in Washington right now. And it is a huge topic that's in the news all the time, but the plot of Black Hat is like, oh my God, a nuclear like explosion happens because of a hacker. And, you know, not to give too much away in Mr. Robot, but that's never, no, that's never the point of the show. It's like, not, they're not causing like physical violence and like giant explosions. At the end of the, at the end of the first episode, it's revealed that like the plan is to devise a hack that it's basically like a Robin Hood hack, right? On a, on a small scale. Is that, is that, that's what it, what they're going to try to do? Like to steal some like money digitally from corporations and rich people. It's basically, it's a, they're not stealing anything. They're going to obliterate debt. Yeah. They're going to obliterate debt. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's what it was. And that that is actually, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I would be surprised if one of the writers on that show was not involved in some way in the whole sort of like uh, Occupy or the outer Occupy movement because like that is ex- the explicit goal of one of the outgrowths of Occupy. Was right. To, I think it was called the Rolling Jubilee. Yeah, it was called the Rolling Jubilee, and the idea was to just buy up a bunch of debt. It was it was a really smart and just forgive it. Right. And, just and the reason it. it works is because debt gets sold on the secondary market for much less than they're still asking the debtor to pay. So you could buy it for pennies on the dollar and normally it gets bought for pennies on the dollar and then the new owner of the debt continues to try to get more than that out of the person who owes it. But in this case, this Occupy Wall Street group wanted to just – they bought some debt. Like I think they bought like 75000 175000 Oh, I think more than that. I think they ended up – 
you know, they had it, it was a pretty elegant um, system that they had worked out. And I, I, I forget, I think they made maybe raised that much and it eradicated whatever it was 10 times that amount of debt by mm-hmm. buying it. So I, I think that like they, and I think it was, I think they ended up, Getting a couple, a few hundred thousand dollars. I don't know. It was a smart thing, um, and clearly, that was worked into this into this plan to like just obliterate debt. And debt is a crazy thing, right? Now. Medical debt, student debt. You know, it's a, it's a hot button issue. And again, I think it they recognize that. Lorenzo, d- did you? So Jason was talking about Black Hat. What were what are your thoughts on the accuracy of Mr. Robot? Yeah, I know Black Black Hat. We thought was it was they like had a real consultant on the film, but it was still really silly, right? Yeah, Black Hat had some problems. It tried kind of hard, but then they basically relied on like the NSA being extremely, extremely stupid, um, <laughs> like falling victim to like a spear phishing attack that was like not very. Like, that, I don't even know if my grandma would fall for, you know? And it's like, here's the head of the NSA falling for it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I mean... I don't know, the head of the CIA just had his AOL account that's published. 15-year-old? Yeah. That's very true. Yeah, and it's, right. it's questionable how smart this 15-year-old is because he's, like, uh, kind of bragging about it a lot and sending photos of himself to people. So To Lorenzo. Oh, Lorenzo <laughs> being that person. Uh, yeah, but what do you think of the accuracy of, of the hacks? Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't watch Black Hat because pretty much everyone I know uh, hated it, so I thought it was going to be a waste of two hours. Uh, but Mr. Robot is. I mean, everything since the fir- very first episode is very accurate in terms of technical details. Um, but I think that. I mean, I think that the show doesn't. It's not successful because of that. Because obviously, you know, I, I noticed that and. My hacker friends noticed that, but, you know, a random viewer is not going to notice that they described the tour accurately. I think it's successful because uh, those are just, like, details in a bigger picture, you know. Like, it's the story is great, the music is great, the characters are compelling. And as Brian said, I mean, it is kind of like the natural son of the times that we live in. You know, Occupy Wall Street, uh, Anonymous, It's it, it combines all these things, shakes them up and comes up with a pretty good TV show. So so the hacking isn't really, like, the, the point. It's not, like, it's not designed to be an exploration of, like, what it's like to hack. It's more, in a, it's using that as sort of a tool in the narrative, you think? Yeah, I think it is. And, I mean, no spoilers, but it does, like, the psychology and and the, like, characters take a bigger role, I think, in the in the few, last few episodes than in the, in the beginning. Can I just say real quick that, doesn't Lorenzo have a great radio voice? If you agree that Lorenzo has a great radio voice, so please nice. leave it in the comments. It's so We don't have comments, Brian. All oh, right. In a letter to the editor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, Lorenzo though. Uh the movie is very much more about inequality and these characters' relationships and struggles and their kind of like interpersonal failings and like mental battles than it is about hacking. Um That's and, it, right? Like there wasn't even in the first couple of episodes. I, see, I I noticed that there was a lot, like a a lot of emphasis on on like passwords, like people using crappy passwords, and kind of there it it, it did kind of have sort of a uh, an interesting impact that way because that's something that we're all very aware of as we like type in our passwords every day to get into our various accounts. Every we and you know we're getting hacked and these passwords are getting leaked and it does it does at least. Le- le- 
add a level of awareness to to the fact that like our passwords suck and right that, yeah yeah that was actually one point in one of the episodes i saw maybe the first episode or second episode um when he is hacking how many episodes have you watched brian uh like one and a half okay well whatever <laughs> when he's hacking his psychiatrist's boyfriend and he can't guess his password and Rami Malik is like he enters like three pieces of information into this password checker. Right. And yeah, it's like answer. his dog's name, the year of his birth, and like his the street he lives on or something, and he's like, This this didn't come up with the password? Like he was born before this year. There's no way like he he used a password that was not a a permutation of these three pieces of information. Right. Which is like obviously just done for expediency, but I thought that was like slightly. I don't know if it's just done for expediency. I think that's how a lot of passwords are. I mean, you see these leaks of giant like password lists, right. and they're all like really bad. Um, and you know, like I know my parents' passwords and or like have in the past. What are they? Never mind. Mm. I just said too much. But it's like old people have shitty passwords. I mean, it's like this is the street I grew up on. It's that's not what it is. But, yeah, but you can't. Yeah, but you still are not going to get it with like three. But then it's like three and then a brute force. My parents' passwords are incredible to the point that they're so like arcane and complex that they're always forgetting them. Yeah, my mom has my mom has a system for remembering. My mom just has a different password for every single site, which is great. And but she just like has them all written down. Yeah, my my which is also great. Like (laughs) Same at my house. We have it like the, my folks' house. They have like a list, like printed out, like hidden away somewhere in a drawer, and they're just like, <laughs> like dozens of characters long. You would be proud, Lorenzo. That's yeah. That's totally fine. By the way, if you want to do that at home, that's okay. It's better than having the same password used for every website. No it's PSA. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The more you know. I do think in general, Mr. Robot is a good introduction for people who don't have a. Uh, understanding of the way hackers get your information now, which is like he uses a lot of, he has the brute force password checker. He also uses a lot of social engineering. He does a lot of Facebook stalking. Like all of that is realistic. Right. Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up next was the social engineering. Um, you know, the, a lot of hacking is not hacking. It's, it's like tricking companies or tricking people into giving you information that they think is innocuous but then can use be used against them. Um, there's like an infamous story about Matt Honan, who is BuzzFeed's technology editor um, out in San Francisco. And basically some hackers got a hold of the last four digits of his credit card. Um, and that was kind of publicly available if you called Amazon. And then if you called Apple, they used like the other digits given to him by Amazon. I'm not telling the story right, but basically, yeah, Adrian. It was, yeah, it involved a lot of calling customer service and being like, oh, I forgot this piece of information. Can I give you these other two pieces of information to verify? And then now he's got another piece of information, calls another company and did the same thing and just kind of triangulated back to everything. And one one of the tricks... Which is how John Brennan just got hacked. That's exactly what happened to John Brennan. Well, one of the tricks I remember from Matt Honan's story was that the hacker... Went called Amazon and asked to add a credit card to the account, added one of his own credit cards or some throwaway credit card, and then called back and used the credit card he had just added. Of course, he got a new customer surf- service representative. Right. Used the card he had just added to verify that he was the owner of the account. Yeah. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of that in Mr. Robot as well, and it happens all the time. Well, see, that makes for more of like a compelling sort of narrative device, right? Like yeah. you see these pieces, like right. being clever. It's also like more visual than watching him at his computer typing. Yeah, there's also the bit like that opens the series where he's kind of like in person revealing this hack to that pedophile oh, right. guy. Yeah. Um, and that was like really compelling. Um, yeah way to start the series, I thought. Yeah, it was great. The pilot's great. I thought yeah. the pilot was great. I mean, that what Adrian just brought up did sort of I did notice it too. It was like a little bit well yeah, with some of the some of the some of the tech stuff and that password code. It's a, it seemed like a very very basic. But but I thought also thought it was effective because I also agree that it's like a good it is a good introduction because like a lot of people just have no idea that like that any of these things are issues. I mean or very marginal uh, amounts of idea and this at least give you like a visual framework to kind of start to like wade into the the pool the nightmarish pool that lorenzo floats around in the deep end <laughs> yeah. every day i feel like a lot of people know that you know their password practices aren't great but they just kind of roll the dice and hope it doesn't happen to them yeah um I, and that's like me yeah it's i mean it's like a pain in the ass to be totally secure all the time like Encrypting but all of point, your communications and stuff. Yeah, but go ahead. It's getting to the point where it's getting way to be way more worth it to take that extra time because right. hacks are becoming so frequent. We j- we're about to start a new series called Another Day, Another Hack because <laughs> one of our other security reporter, Joseph Cox, um, has comes across so many hacks. He's like, should we write about this? I don't know. It's just like it's just another hack where 14 million people lost their passwords. It's like... <laughs> Um, it's happening with these companies that you haven't heard of, so it's not as splashy as, like, Ashley Madison or LinkedIn, but... So we're just putting them in a little brief format and saying, like, here's the lesson from this hack. This is how it happened. Reminder that this happens every day now. That's kind of the, yeah. the bigger story is that this is now an everyday it's occurrence. It's just becoming sort of, like, background noise in reality. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, the company that Elliot works for and is railing against... Um, Evil Corp or E Corp. I can't. He doesn't. Tell. He doesn't work for E Corp in the beginning. He's a contractor. Sorry, he's a contractor. I already. And, what's the name of the security company he works for? It is Old Safe or something. All Safe. Yeah, it's called All Safe, and okay. their biggest client is E Corp. Sorry, and he's put on the E Corp account, which accounts for like a lot of their. Who do you think E Corp is based on? It's like an amount. eBay, obviously. Of, <laughs> yeah, Enron. Of Enron, I believe. Yes, I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys watch Nathan for you? <laughs> I can't watch Nathan for you. It stresses me out. So I feel too bad for so the people funny. he's punking. Some of them. You feel bad for like one third of them, I feel like. The, other, <laughs> the others d- yeah. deserve it. In the pilot this year, uh, he's railing against Best Buy and he's like helping this like small electronics company. And he's like, I'm sick of these giant corporations like Best Buy and Enron holding us down. <laughs> And it's just like such a great throwback. Yeah, it is. Uh, probably Google, it seems like it's like Google, right? Google, like, Apple. I don't know. A little bit of Google everything. Google and right? Facebook. I really like that touch in the show, by the way, because it's clearly not evil court. But since you're, the show is like kind of from his point of view, you already getting that seed. I get the sense it's probably going to go further that down that direction. But he always calls it evil. It's like oh, it's just evil core, and he sees it as evil core. Right? I think, isn't it actually called Evil Corp? I don't think so. No, it's called E Corp. No, they're not called Evil Corp. Yeah, that's just, would be bad branding. Are you trying to trick us into not having something spoiled? Because I have a theory about this. Okay, I'm well, only on episode what's four. What's the theory? 
The theory is that when it's being referred to as Evil Corp, that's when he's having a hallucination. Or it's from his sort of, in his point of view, just... Or is he having hallucinations? He starts to have... Okay, well, I guess there's, I guess there's a lot to, lot to watch. Yeah, there's a lot to watch. Um, yeah, we, we Jason's can cover that like later. Jason's like poker face right now. <laughs> it's great. Jason I have a good face. Poker face. I don't know what the fuck is going on in this show like 80% <laughs> of the time. And I had to read a lot about it after I watched it just to be like, okay... Was I, is my theory correct here, or it was is that because you like fell asleep thing? during it? Not because you're bored, but you just fall asleep in the middle of movies. I fall asleep during the middle of things all the time, but actually I binge-watched this on a day I was hungover, and I watched all ten episodes in one day, and I fell asleep during none of them. Wow. Actually, I fell asleep during the finale. You did. Halfway through. But then <laughs> I woke up at 6 a.m. the next morning and finished it before work. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about something else that happened in an episode after Brian watched... Okay. Uh, I guess I'll take that as my cue. I'm I'm holding his ears. I can't hear anything. (laughs) Except Um, I can hear everything. Okay. Uh, Well, we don't have to talk. No, I'll take this as my cue. I'll we'll we'll leave one by one. Yeah, we'll phase out after after I say this one thing, then I'll phase (laughs) out also. The lights will flash. (laughs) 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 Oh my God! Where's Brian? (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Bye, Brian. Bye, guys. Some really good points you made there. Cool. Okay, so the thing I wanted to talk about is another um, hacker trope that I thought was accurate and well done, which is the ransom hack, where they convince the couple, Elliot's um, childhood friend and her boyfriend, Ollie, and what's her name? Angela? Angela, Angela, yes. Uh, Angela and Ollie... um, and they, like, tease the idea that it's going to be, like, a revenge porn thing because they get a shot of her on the webcam getting into the shower. But then it turns out to be this other, like, way more intense kind of scam. Mm-hmm. Unless there's something later uh, where revenge porn comes back. But uh, – and then it's, like, linked to this, like, mercenary, like, Chinese hacker army. That whole subplot I thought was great. Yeah. That, like, continues on for a few episodes, and that's a really interesting part. Um, how do you guys feel about, like, Angela as a character? Mm, that's a good question, because, like, in one of my early early conversations with uh, some people about the show, they didn't like... a lot. Of, I've heard some people, like, complain about the fact that at least the first episodes of the show um, tend to portray women as, like, these useless, basically useless characters that uh, can only be saved by... Elliot, who's you know like the cl- almost like the classic man hacker that saves the day, and I think that Angela is the in this case Angela kind of like seems that way. She needs Elliot to, you know. I think Elliot saves her in one of the first episodes. Um, her boss like mistreats her, and nobody really like says too much, and so it's she is like she probably. I mean she she gets better at the. Um, Later on in the show, but like she's the sort of like at the behest of Elliot, at least at the beginning. Yeah, I was gonna. I think that the show is pretty bad at portraying female characters in the first few episodes, and then it gets much better. And I don't know what happened. Like, it <laughs> seems like a you know a flip switched, and it's like hard to say like when it happened. I think maybe once Darlene starts getting more involved, who is Elliot's sister and part of uh, you know the F. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. F Corp. F, F Society. F Society, sorry. Um, which you're at F Society, right? Yeah. I'm not giving away anything yet. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird. Like she's, she's a really strong character. Um, but she's not really that strong of a character until the end either. Like they don't develop Mm -hmm. her for quite a few episodes and then they really do. Although Um, Darlene is introduced as being like this badass girl hacker and they have the other girl hacker, the Muslim girl. Yeah. The Muslim girl is like a really good hacker as well. She doesn't have as big of a role as I would have liked to have seen her have but yeah yeah so what what happened like last that you remember so um he's having morphine withdrawal on the way to uh break into a database okay yeah so yeah Yeah, just another um word on the female characters i i thought this show was better than most shows and like, Angela um, has that scene where she's in a meeting and Elliot kind of rescues her. And later she yells at him because she was like, I didn't need you to do that. Like, you made me look worse by coming to my rescue. And I thought it kind of accurately showed how these executives were blowing her off for no reason other than that she was a woman. Mm-hmm. That seemed, like, kind of fair. Um, but, yeah, with Darlene, it seems like they were just trying too hard because, I don't know, Christian Slater has some line that's like, she's a complicated girl. But most malware coders are. <laughs> that wasn't a good Christian Slater voice. It would have been like, yeah. Right. And then what is his girlfriend's name that I can't find on Wikipedia right now? But it's his neighbor who takes care of the dog for a little while. Oh, man. Because I really like her. <laughs> I can't she's, remember her name. She's quite a good character. Um, how but far she also, but she also <laughs> she's also kind of at the behest of Elliot to be saved, right? Uh, well, she ha- she's like in danger, and he gets rid of her boyfriend, who I'm positive is going to come back. Yeah, maybe, maybe. She's a really sweet character, though. She's very likable. Yeah, yeah, I, I do agree, though, that at least like Jason's point that uh, the show gets better. In Shayla. Time. Yeah, in terms of um, how women are portrayed, it definitely is true. So maybe somebody complained. I don't know. Maybe the writers just realized it midway through. I don't know. But also, <laughs> but at least at the you know, like since the very beginning, F Society uh, is composed by you know two women and two or three men. So it's like at least almost fifty-fifty. And one of those women is a Muslim, which is you know very unusual for like a mainstream TV show. And so I think that's at least, you know, I think the writers deserve some praise for that. Yeah. Do you think this show could be as compelling as it is if Elliot was not addicted to morphine? No, he has to have a, he has to have some kind, it's a superhero movie. Yeah. I think it's a superhero, I mean, TV show. 
It's like this little band of superheroes, and Elliot is the main superhero, and his super skill is hacking, and he's got to have some weakness, and that's morphine and being a depressed maniac. Right, right. It's weird because the show starts off with him being like, oh, my God, I don't even talk to humans at all. And then he, he like... He seems fine. Yeah, he's, like, pretty fine. Um, and he, I think it's that, like, the actor in real life is probably very socially high-functioning. and <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and then he, like, suddenly kind of, like, gets a girlfriend and, like, is normal-ish. Right. And it's like, okay, that was, like, a really quick change. Right. Um, yeah, I had that thought, too, like... That the actor was like, so how do socially maladapted people, like, they just talk slower? Yeah. You know, like, how do I portray this? Yeah. He does have the one scene where he tries to go into Angela's birthday party and then ducks away, which I was like, yes, I've kind of, I've done that before. Yeah, I've done that too. You're like, like, hmm, looks crowded. Yeah. And, like, I think they try to portray it as, like, a social anxiety type thing, and I don't know if that's necessarily, like, what it was, um... When I've done that, it's just kind of been like, eh, I would rather not do this. Or, like, I would rather not see, like, my ex-girlfriend and, like, her new boyfriend or whatever. Which, I guess, they didn't ever date, but he obviously has a crush on her. And it's like, this is going to be very, uh, like, this is going to take a lot of mental strain for me to, like, be involved here. So I'm just going to go hang out with my friends in the corner or, like, go somewhere else. And I thought that was a pretty nice scene. Who do you think is the more appealing character, Shayla or Angela? I like Shayla. Um, I don't like Angela. Um, I don't think she's a very good character, and I can't really put my finger on it as to why. I think it's because she's portrayed as being, like, pretty dumb at the beginning, and then um, later on they kind of... They kind of make her out to be, like, callous and calculating and kind of, like... She plays a, a big role towards the end of the season, and it's hard to say, like, what her deal is. And I read about this, and basically, once they got picked up for a second season, they think that they changed her role. Um, they were just going to kill her before. I think they were just going to, like, wrap up the series, like, like, in one season if they had to. You know, like, they weren't mm-hmm. banking on a second season, and then it's like, oh, how do we make this keep going? It's like, oh, now I, we know. We'll we just, can drag like, this out. This. Yeah. Um, Does it ever explain how she got $100,000 in debt? That seems so high for not having a technical degree. It's that American education system we're all railing she against, She went right? to an expensive college then. There's no, $100, there's no college bubble. Did you read that article? No. It's Was it like wall. college is completely accurately priced? It's not college is completely accurately priced, but it's like for there to be a bubble, people have to stop going to it and people are still going to it. I didn't read it, but that's what I think it's about. It's on the all. I'm sure it's good. They never explained that, by the way. <laughs> uh, the no, they just... I didn't think they would. And another thing that also gets lost is like, like you said that um, at least in the first couple of episodes, it's clear that Elliot has a crush on Angela. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this kind of like they never really follow up on that, which I thought was a little weird because it seemed like it was one of the central points in the first few episodes. It seems like a really long, long suffering kind of crush, though, like he, a crush that he gave up on long ago. Yeah. He's just been watching her date losers. Right. He also like gets involved with Shayla. So he's like he seems to really like her, even though at first it seems like a jealousy type thing. It seems like he really falls for her. And then he's, like, so involved with F Society that I think he, that kind of just, like, falls to the wayside. But that's, I, I think that'll resurface at some point, maybe. It's, like, unclear. Um, 
Also, another point I wanted to make, it was extremely weird seeing Christian Slater in, like, a good TV show. <laughs> I'm just so used to him being in, like, such bad things. Um, and I thought, I mean, I think his performance is fine. It's, like, totally competent. And it's, like, he's he's a nice character, like, this older, like, F-Society guy. It's like I what? have a feeling there's some spoilers about Christian Slater, so maybe this is my turn to phase out. There's There may or may not be. I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on Radio Motherboard. Thanks for coming. I look forward to listening to this episode in total after I finish the series. Yeah. Okay, so if you haven't finished Mr. Robot, stop watching, stop listening now. Um, we'll be back next week with something that's, like, not about anything, probably. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, what do you think about uh, the fact that, like, Mr. Robot is Elliot's dad? but is also him. <laughs> yeah, that that was... Uh, I don't know if I saw that coming. I wish I could say I saw that coming because we all do when those things happen. I don't think I saw that coming until the very end. Um, but it did... And obviously, like, that really drove the point home that this is, like, the 21st century Fight Club movie or, you know, reenactment, which I, I, I'm okay with because I was a huge Fight Club fanboy. And I still am. I think I still think it's a great movie. But um, if if there's one criticism that I I can make about Mr. Robot is that the last few episodes episodes tried too hard, almost too hard to be like, hey, this is Fight Club. Can you see? Can you see? This yeah, is Fight they Club. Did, like they had some like very overt references to it, which yeah. is like maybe just them kind of like winking at it and saying like, oh, we know what's going on. But also, yeah, it, it's pretty heavy handed. Yeah, like there's this that scene in the um, in the F Society headquarters, the video game shop, the the game shop or whatever, the arcade, where they play the Pixies song in the background, which is the the Pixies. And spoiler alert for whoever hasn't seen Fight Club, that's the song at the end of Fight Club as well. It's this, you know this super famous scene from Fight Club, and I mean I guess yes, it might be just like a nice touch, a, a nice. Um, reference but it, it also it just seemed almost too much uh, there's another the other scene where um, Elliot uh, punches Christian Slater in the cafe and he's actually punching himself that's also the same thing that you see in Fight Club it's I don't know I thought it was a little too much and and to be honest like looking back the whole you know Elliot is hallucinating and making up his own dad that that almost seemed a little bit too forced. Um, and I, I wish I should like probably watch the TV show again, but I'm pretty sure like you see, you know, you see him, his dad interact with other characters all the time. So I don't know if like they changed their mind midway through or it was their plan all along, but it just seemed a little forced that it wasn't tr- real. Yeah. So Elliot clearly knows Tyrell, um, or rather, I, I think that's what gave it away for me, because I think it's that same episode where you learn um, Tyrell is, like, the absolute fucking crazy dude who works for E-Corp. Um, and you see this scene where Mr. Robot is talking to him in a car, and they're talking about something. It's, like, unclear oh, yeah. what. And it's, like, really weird. It's, like, oh, my God, how does Mr. Robot know him? Like, what's going on? But clearly it's, like, Elliot talking to Tyrell, I oh, guess, yeah, like, true. looking back. But it's, like... I don't know, the, the show's, like, deciding to portray Mr. Robot alone there. And, like, there's a few other scenes where Mr. Robot is alone. So, like, 
when is Elliot Mr. Robot? When is he himself? Like, when is he kind of both of them in the same place? Um, and I mean, that's, that's kind of why the show is like compelling to watch because you're trying to figure this out. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I have no idea what's going on. And it's a purposeful like misdirection um, to make you kind of question this sort of thing. And I'm sure that it all kind of works out in the end where, like, if you go back and watch it a few more times, you're like, okay, I see, like, they're hinting at this here and here. But uh, at the same time, it does make watching the show pretty, like, confusing, I thought. Hmm. Yeah, and also, like, can we talk about Tyrell? I think he's the mo- one of the most interesting characters of the show. And and as Adrian was saying that this is an, a hero, like a superhero TV show, I think it's an anti-hero TV show because... As much as, uh, you know, like we can all sort of like sympathize with, you know, the anti-death deans and like going against this huge evil corporation. I mean, Elliot still does a lot of crap that, you know, it's not very nice. Like, you know, breaking into your uh, childhood friend's Facebook or basically everyone's social media accounts and emails is not exactly, you know, no matter what your goals are, it's not okay. And he clearly has a sense of ethics that is a little, you know, just wayward. And so, so yeah, and, and Tyrell is, like, exactly the same, right? I mean, Tyrell is definitely not as likable as Elliot, but in the end, they, they share a lot of um, values. And, you know, there's a, the, that first scene when they meet and he just says, oh, you use Linux, me too, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, oh, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we can be buddies. And it's... Uh, it's a little. Su- I, I'm still a little surprised that like Tyrell doesn't, you know, kill Elliot or th- and decides to join him at the end. And I think that that's probably going to be like one of the big uh, storylines of the next um, season. So Tyrell is missing at the end, is he not? Like he's been spending yeah, time true. with Elliot, and then he's essentially missing. Yeah, it's um, true. He disappears mysteriously. Yeah, I I don't see him being like disappeared and written off the show because he's hmm. such an important part and like. Uh, yeah, he's he drives a lot of the narrative forward, especially on the E Corp side. Um, and uh, I wanted to mention earlier when we were talking about like the female characters, um, his wife is like an extremely strong character and like really like uh, she's like pulling the strings in whatever is going on. Um, and he kind of like goes off the rails and she basically is like, fuck this guy, like leaves him, I believe. Um, and yeah, I thought Darlene became a much better character after uh, I learned that she was Elliot's sister, which um, there were a lot of surprises in the show, but that one was like blew my mind. I didn't even, like think about that. And I thought it was mm-hmm. pretty crazy. So I was wondering what uh, what was your biggest like surprise? Yeah, I think that was I, I, I have to agree with you. That was definitely the biggest one. Um Although, like, this one, looking back, I, you can clearly see that they, I mean, the hints were really, like, um, they were not obvious at all. But, you know, I, 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 I felt that, like, in the first few episodes, Darlene might have had um, a crush on him or maybe he had a crush on her. And, you know, she she kept showing up at his apartment. And now, you know, in hindsight, it's like, oh, of course, you know, it's his, she's his sister, of course, she's checking on him. Of course, she can get into his apartment, and everything makes sense. But but yeah, I definitely didn't see that coming, and I think that was a very strong revelation. Yeah, 
Um, and the other one for me was uh, just like the gut punch of um, Shayla being already dead in the trunk, like in that one episode, which is, I, I read a review of that episode and it's like, wow, this is, this is when, you know, a show is kind of good. It's like, they went through the whole like dog and pony show of Elliot trying to hack into the prison and like eventually getting it. And then at the end you learn it was like all for nothing. And it ends up being like a really good type of, it lets you know what type of universe you're playing in where like everything is not necessarily going to work out according to plan and everything. Mm-hmm. It just like might happen. Everything probably is going to go to shit and the show is going to like show you what's going to happen without like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if, like, E-Corp is going to be taken down. Um, I suspect that they won't, at least for a few more seasons or something. But it's, uh, I don't know, I'm excited to see where it goes, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think that that episode was definitely the inflection point. I mean, the show was good since the beginning, it's true. But that episode was like, okay, you know, this is gonna. This show really is gutsy. And they're not afraid of, like, you know, pulling some unexpected shit because like even even though it makes sense that they kill her because you know after all the guy is like you know a drug like a bloodthirsty drug dealer and you know it kind of makes sense it can happen but you just never expect to see that on tv and it was really like ruthless and you really feel bad for elliot when that happens and i and another scene obviously a very famous scene where uh, this is evident is when the E-Corp um, executive kills himself in ca- on camera. Um, I did not see that coming, even though I, I had, like, I saw this episode, like, a f- couple of weeks later, and I had, uh, you know, obviously, I had heard that they they delayed the episode because of the um, uh, North Carolina or uh, TV, TV shooting. Right. So that makes sense, even though it's not the same thing. But, yeah, that was like, okay, wow. You know, they're, they're really going for it, and they don't care. So that was also very good. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really describe what the hack was that would, in theory, take down E-Corp. It's essentially a crypto locker hack. I mean, isn't it? It's like They want to encrypt all of their financial data, both on the Chinese side and, um, you know, on the American side, uh, and then delete the encryption key. Can you explain, like, how that hack works? It's It's been, like, explained in a couple other podcasts. I actually just found that there is an NPR episode about... Um, like a This American Life, I guess it was, a Radiolab episode about CryptoLocker. Um, and that's kind of like a lot of people's introduction to like the hacking criminal underworld, I guess, because it's happened to a lot of Americans. But what is CryptoLocker? And how yeah. is this different? Sorry, mm-hmm. I keep cutting you off. But uh, how is this different or the same as CryptoLocker? Yeah, so CryptoLocker is, uh, is a type of what they, what's called a ransomware, which is a type of malware that basically infects your computer and locks and encrypts and thus locks your data. And normally the a message pops up and, and tells you all your data is encrypted and locked. Uh, if you want to have it back, pay us, you know, X. Uh, normally it's like uh, a high number, but not too high that you're not gonna, that you're going to be like, oh, I'm never going to pay this. You know, it's usually like $200, $300, maybe $500. So it's always like a kind of figure designed to be to, to like entice the victim to just say, okay, fuck it, I'm going to pay for it and get my data back. And sometimes you don't get your data back, spoiler alert, so it's never a good idea to pay, uh, but it's worked out. I mean, it's it's one of the most successful uh, cybercrime uh, techniques in the last few years because it's very cheap to 
um, to deploy as, a, as as every malware, and and the returns are very high because, you know, I don't have to get into your bank, and then I don't have to like trick your bank into not noticing that I did to get your money. You're really you're giving me the money, so I'm basically mugging you. Is that true though that it's it's best to not pay because they're I mean if all of your photos are you know encrypted and going to be thrown away, and they're like, hey, give me three hundred dollars. Seems like more often, maybe not more often than not, but there have been many, many cases where like the the files do come back if you pay. Yeah, I guess sometimes the files do come back, but there's no there's no guarantee that they are. And I think that the ex- experts just advise to like don't panic, not pay, and just you know try to get some help because sometimes there there are ways to get the data back, uh, you know, by breaking like brute forcing the encryption or something, because it. It's not like totally impossible to to break. Although, like to go back to the show, like that. So that was this is what happens in the show. Basically, they get into all the data, the two data centers or the two main data centers for E Corp, and they infect them with this kind of malware that encrypts all the data, and then they destroy the keys so that even the F Society hackers cannot decrypt it. Which I which I thought it was like it was like pretty imaginative. Even though like if you think about it, like in ransomware is relatively well known in this world, um, in the cybercrime world and in the security world. So, um, but it was like a good twist because I haven't seen it in in a movie or a TV show. Yeah, I thought it was a good selection just because um, it's not so far out of the realm of possibility. Um, and it, it is something we we see all the time in the real world, but I haven't seen a fictional like version of it. And I thought it kind of introduces people to this idea of encryption. It like shows that encryption can be used in bad ways, like you know these encryption can be used to lock away files um, if not you know deployed properly. Um, and I just thought it was like a pretty cool thing to do, I guess, um, for F society. Um, and then I guess we, we've got to go in a couple minutes here, but the last thing I wanted to talk about was what do you think of F society in general? Like they're, they're quite obviously anonymous, but, um, you know, how do you, how do they differ from anonymous? And, and do you think that they're like a decent depiction of a, uh, cyber gang? Yeah, I mean, there are, you know, the obvious links or references to Anonymous are the mask, obviously, uh, the videos with like um, modified voices and, you know, very exaggerated claims. And um, so that's clearly Anonymous. But the big difference, I think, is, and it's obvious as well, if you think about it, is that Anonymous was always designed to be sort of like a decentralized, um, widespread movement where you know technically everyone could be part of whereas f society uh, is you know just five people basically it's a very close group that then like in on the face of it or you know tries to look like it's not just a bunch of people just a few people but it's a more widespread movement because that's a good way to hide yourself like they're trying to pretend that they're more than they actually are Right. Which I think is that's the big difference um, with anonymous. Even though, like you know, the big anonymous leaders that event- eventually uh, were arrested were just a few as well. Right, right. Okay, so before we go, uh, what do you think is going to happen in season two? If you have to guess, I have no idea uh, because like th- that's why that's why I like this show. It's like really it really keeps you on your toes. Um, but I'm really curious to know what's up with the Chinese hacker. 
like who is he she and why like what you know what's the goal what's that's goal? the thing that happens at the very end like after the credits right like they show the uh ceo of mm. um e-corp hanging out with the chinese hacker yeah yeah, yeah. so clearly like uh, you know there's probably going to be some sort of retaliation against f society um i have no idea what it'll be um, I'm interested to see how the second season is going to use Christian Slater and, like, the Mr. Robot hallucination. Um, now that the cat is, like, out of the bag, I think that it's going to be hard to, like, use him in a way that's not super transparent. But hmm. um, he is coming back, um, and you do see him after we, like, learn about it. You know, he, like, comes back. Um, and I'm interested to see what happens with Angela. Um, I suspect that she may if used improperly she may like ruin the show so um i I just say that because like i think that it you know if she gets into like e-corp and like just becomes i think she's a character best used kind of like sparingly is what i would say and they're setting up to have her play like a really huge role i think yeah and i I didn't like that she ended up going to e-corp like that was a surprise, but it wasn't, like, a good surprise. I thought that was forced. Like, it almost seemed like they wanted to save the character. Or, as you said, like, it makes sense, like you said, that they changed their mind because they were renewed. Because it was really, like, it really felt like a bad choice. And, and also, like, they didn't set it up at all. Like, she, she was clearly hell-bent on ruining them and fighting them. And then, you know, at the last minute, they're just like, oh, no, well, actually, I'm going to work with you. Right. Like, I suspect she's going to try to bring them down from the inside or whatever. But, you know, that was not really the plan from the outset. And it's really mm-hmm. seemed like she was hell bent on revenge. And then it just goes yeah. like, oh, yeah, I can do a better job as like a middle manager. And I don't think that's like going to prove to be the case. But we'll see. Um, yeah. So anyways, thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks, Lorenzo, as always, for being here. Um, and I wanted to say that your anti-hero like segment of speaking was really great. Um, cause yeah, Elliot is like a really shitty person. Um, but you know, you're kind of rooting for him, but he's, he's not a great guy. Um, yeah. So we will probably do another episode maybe, um, with like right before this series comes back in a few months. Um, hopefully we'll be able to talk to some people involved and, you know, get them on here. But uh, if you have any thoughts or theories about Mr. Robot, please email us at letters at motherboard.tv. And if you know of any missing NASA property or crazy space stories, please tell us as well, because we've got some more coming up and we would like to uh, break some news, I guess. Thank you, guys. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.